of a woman wearing a dress up her skirt and they didn't seem to have a problem with it and it'd been done before so she pressed the issue and took him to court and the issue of consent came up how do you determine if she's just there did she give her consent because she was near you and you had a camera and did, did that give you the right to take a picture of under a skirt Right. Uh, how do you define consent? I believe when you have consent means that you have um, permission from someone to go ahead and explore that someone's body. How do you make it known that it's like you don't want to be bothered? I'll turn the other way. Right. Okay, so you're okay, I got it. face like, to his face? Yeah, I will face him. Yeah, where it's and, just like and, not happening. And fake sleep still. Oh, okay. So you fake sleep. All yeah. right. Um, how do you know if a woman is providing you with the consent necessary for you to move forward in a sexual activity or like in a sexual situation? So the very first one is a very direct like verbal yes or no. But then also an extremely important one as well. I feel like a lot of guys overlook that is body language. You can tell when somebody's comfortable and somebody's uncomfortable. Okay. You can tell when someone's enjoying themselves and not enjoying themselves. You can tell when... What type of body language do they give off? So if someone is pushing away from you in any okay. sense, uh. to me, that's more of a, like a sign to take it easy. Okay. Check in with them. My phone rings. It's you. Asking me to come pick you up from the beach. Hi. From the time between putting on my shoes and leaving the house, I had a feeling I should have never answered the phone. 
should have let you sleep on the bench, alone, with your bottle of Bacardi. But I showed up, mostly because I have soft spots for wounded birds. And well, let's face it, I'm a good fucking person. I arrive at the beach and find you on the bench. A lit black and mild cigar in one hand. And an extra large bottle of Bacardi in the other. I sat next to you. And we began to exchange stories about our childhood. About our summers on that beach. You told me how you grew up fatherless. How your mother used to bring you and your sister to that beach every day. How you grew to detest it. The water. The sand. The smell. I asked if you wanted to go home. Because you started to slur your words. You stumbled to get on your feet. So I let you put your arm over my shoulders for support. Walked you to the car. And as I drove around, you confessed to me how you felt you had failed at your music career. How you had given yourself a time frame of 26 years and that if it hadn't happened by then, you'd give up on that dream. You told me how you had given up on love and finding a woman that you felt could understand you. I could see your heart breaking just by looking at you. Your face was pale. Your eyes had giant black circles underneath them. We pulled over in front of a library and you started to feel nauseous. You opened my door thinking that you needed to puke, but you took a deep breath and closed it, promising me that you were fine. I left the car in park and we sat there for a while in silence. You asked me if I still had a thing for you. I didn't want to answer. You insisted. I took one swig out of your bottle of Bacardi. And with a lot of hesitation, because I didn't want to hurt your feelings, I said, I'd rather remain friends. You laughed at me. You kept telling me how you knew I really wanted you. That you knew because I wouldn't have come to your rescue. I turned up Public Enemy on the radio, pretended not to know the words, to lie in the mood, but you were cold. Offended by my inability to satisfy your craving of what you needed to hear. But I ignored it and came up with excuses on your behalf. You were just drunk, right? We arrive at your aunt's house. Which, by the way, do you still live there? My kids go to school near there. I still recognize the street because of the flower stand on the corner where I had to make that turn to drop you off at almost 4 a.m. But anywho, 
I opened up the metal gate to the front door. I had to help you out of the car, onto the steps. Where you fumbled for your keys. With my help, you managed to get the key into the lock. You fell into the door when it opened. I helped you to your room. Then I tell you I'm leaving. You pinned my wrist to the wall. Started kissing my neck. Immediately, the smell of your breath and your aggression make my body tense. Trying to pry you off of me. I say, wait, stop. I guess you didn't hear me. Come on, stop. I say, now I think you're choosing not to hear me. Stop! I implode. Successfully pushing your body off. You're across from me for a split second. The next, your hands are gripping the creases of my elbows. You throw me to your bed. And in one swift move, your pants are unzipped. You pull my panties to the side. And even before I could blink, you are inside of me. Thrusting as I tried to wiggle my arms from underneath your palms. Pleading for you to stop. But you didn't stop. You didn't fucking stop. Do you even remember what happened? Do you remember tossing all of your common sense out the fucking window? Do you even remember me being there at all? Could you fucking believe I told someone and he blamed me? He said I should have never answered the phone. But today, today will be the last day I allow you in my space. Today will be the last day in my life that I'm haunted by your face. I said this as I scrubbed myself off in the shower, hoping that I can erase the memory of your scent on my skin. You called a few times after that night. Took me a few weeks, but I picked up. You immediately start to apologize. After a long pause, I say I forgive you. But in my tone, you can hear my lie. But you took my word for it, and we hung up. It hadn't even made a year since that night when I had heard what happened to you, what you had done, where they had found you. The police vaguely told your mother that you had committed suicide in your car. But my cousin, the detective, he was there. He told me that your brains were splattered all over your car seats. I'm sorry that you couldn't forgive you. And I'm sorry 
that I couldn't forgive you. This story was inspired by true events. It was told to me by a very brave woman who decided that I was cool enough to confide in, be able to tell the story on her behalf. I hope I did you justice some way. I know this is obviously not a story that give you back whatever was taken from you, but I hope that it'll open up conversations for other women like you that need to have these conversations, to spark conversations between our men, to ask themselves why they aren't protecting these women enough, or what does consent look like coming from a woman's standpoint to them, you know? from sender to receiver to just change the fucking narrative. Thank you for telling me your story. You're brave. I know that someone will tell theirs. And if that someone is you, someone on the other side of these headphones, there are resources available to you I will post links in the description of this podcast so that you can have, you know, some people to talk to if you don't have anybody close to you or if it's just easier to tell some strangers or you can always just reach out to me. I won't judge you. (laughs) But please, the survivors, please know that you're not alone. Please know that there is a community out there that will hear you. Thank you for coming along episode four with me tonight. I know that this episode may have caused a couple of triggers in some people. I just hope that those triggers will make you identify where the healing needs to start. I'll pray for all of you, okay? In the meantime, don't be afraid to reach out. I got you. You gotta get up and move on.